Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here this day in the presence of God to be witnesses to the wedding in Bethlehem's stable. Wedding, you say? No doubt you are asking yourself that Lutheran question, what does this mean? In fact, you may be racking your brain and recalling that in all the years that you have been involved with church and in all the times you have heard the gospel accounts of the Christmas story and with all the children dressed up as angels and shepherds, you don't remember hearing about any wedding taking place in the little town of Bethlehem. So maybe you're thinking that a lost book of the Bible has been found where the joining of this man, Joseph, and this woman, Mary, is written that it took place in Bethlehem's stable. Or maybe Pastor is a little sleep-deprived and has gone a little off his rocker. Let me ease your dilemma by telling you that no, no lost book of the Bible has been found, and sleep deprivation... <laughs> Sleep deprivation is beside the point. (laughs) But I am not speaking about Joseph and Mary at all. They were already husband and wife before they arrived in Bethlehem. In fact, I am not talking about a marriage either, but about a wedding. Christmas is about the joining together, the wedding, the personal union of God and man. The Savior had to be man in order to be under the law and in order to suffer and die. The Savior had to be God so that the law could be fulfilled, that a sufficient sacrifice would be made for the world, and that the devil and death might be overcome. The Christmas message of good news concerns the incarnation of God. We confess this truth every time we answer that Lutheran question, and what does this mean, with the answer, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. The truth is that the wedding spoken of in this personal union of the divine and the human took place nine months earlier than the birth of Jesus. This joining together of God and man did not happen in Bethlehem of Judea, but in Nazareth of Galilee. The wedding took place when the virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit. But at that time, neither shepherds nor wise men nor us could behold the Son of God and Son of Man. His manifestation to the world would take place nine months later after Mary gave birth to God and the baby was placed in a manger. On the basis of the 14th verse of the Gospel reading for this festival of the Nativity of our Lord, I am extending you an invitation to witness the wedding in Bethlehem's stable. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Dear fellow disciples of the Lord God, the word has become flesh.
Please accept the invitation to behold the miraculous wedding in Bethlehem's stable. We know where to go because the Lord has revealed it to us through the angelic announcement and Luke's chronicle. Therefore, as we did last night, let us do so this morning as well. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. We know what to look for since that sign has been given to us as well. We will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You may recall that in much of the artwork you have seen from the Renaissance masters to the Christmas card pictures, the baby Jesus is portrayed with a golden halo or aura about his head. The truth is that there was no such golden glow. If there had been, then the shepherds would have not been given the sign of simple swaddling clothes, but rather the task of searching for the child with a glowing golden halo. In the scriptures, we are privileged to step into Bethlehem's stable and behold the good news of great joy, which is for all the people. The Savior has been born. There he is, the little Lord Jesus, sleeping in a manger. He is wrapped in swaddling clothes, so we cannot see his arms, legs, or tummy. He is the gift of Christmas to the world, and, life any, and like any other Christmas gift, This gift needs to be opened. Let's unwrap him by moving some of those swaddling clothes. Do you see what I see? The word became flesh. The cord of the placenta has been cut and tied off. If that is true, and it most certainly is true, then we are able to say two things. God has a belly button, and this baby created the universe. All of the attributes or characteristics of God and all of the attributes of man, except for our fallen sinful nature, are communicated to and united in this Jesus. The Word became flesh. Therefore, Jesus, who is wisdom, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So also this unchangeable one would now continue not to change as he grows up. And this eternal one without beginning or end would grow older. This timeless one would spend time as an alien in Egypt. And this creator would now occupy various places in his creation, including a virgin's womb, an animal's manger, a fisherman's boat, a sinner's house, a criminal's cross, and a rich man's tomb. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The hymn writer in What Child Is This asks two questions and then provides the answers. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with ansom sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. The silent word was in that manger, 
and is in heaven above, pleading because the full divine majesty is communicated to the person of Jesus and is exercised in and works through the human nature. That baby you are looking at in the swaddling clothes is the Lord God Almighty. According to his divine majesty and because of the incarnation, he now exercises himself through the human nature. That baby in Bethlehem's barn is sustaining the universe, praying for you protecting wise men as they journey to him, watching over the shepherdless flocks of certain worshiping herdsmen, giving strength to a man named Simeon who would hold him in his arms, sustaining the old woman named Anna at the temple, watering a specific tree from which a cross would be made, permitting nations to rise, allowing heads of state to fall, protecting his church, And besides all that, he's got the whole world in his hands. The word became flesh. But someone may ask why. Why did God become man? The incarnation of God was for you. And he came to be your prophet, your priest, and your king. But he is no ordinary king. For he comes to rule your hearts, minds, bodies, and souls, not with the iron rod of his law, but with his good news. According to his human nature, all authority has been given to him on heaven, in heaven and on earth. So even as a newborn infant in that crude cradle, he protects his church and leads her to glory. Therefore, we join with David in saying, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Indeed, this King is also the high priest who does his sacrificial work by giving himself on the altar of the cross. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This he did once for all when he offered up himself. We confess this fundamental and foundational Christian truth in the magnificent Easter hymn at the Lamb's High Feast we sing. Praise we him whose love divine gives his sacred blood for wine, gives his body for the feast. Christ the victim, Christ the priest. In order to accomplish all this and to fulfill the law perfectly in your place, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now as the risen and ascended Christ, just as in the city of David when the silent word was pleading, now he continues his priestly work as he intercedes at the throne of God on your behalf. For we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. As the God-man, Jesus fulfills his divine work as prophet by revealing himself. We read and hear of the teachings and miracles of the incarnate word. Jesus in the inscribed work, the Bible. The Lord as prophet still reveals himself today as the Son of God and the Redeemer 
of the world, doing so by the means of grace, by his word and sacrament. You are privileged in grace to hear the written word, to believe this good tidings of great joy, and to trust in the word become flesh. Through the gift of his word called the Bible and through the gift of his work called faith, behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now you may be wondering about something. If Jesus is the Lord God Almighty and in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, why do we only see glimpses of his divine glory in the Bible? Like when he turned water into wine when he was transfigured on the mountain, and when he rose from the dead. Well, we are speaking of the voluntary humiliation of the Son of God, that according to his human nature, Jesus did not always or fully use the divine attributes communicated to the human nature. Now, the scripture says it better. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Today we celebrate the festival of the Incarnation. The Holy Spirit has performed the wedding by uniting the two. You are witnesses to this wedding as you journey to Bethlehem's stable and join those who gaze upon the baby in a manger. You confess this wonderful mystery in the creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. This personal union continues today. Indeed, what God has joined together, neither man nor God puts asunder and will never be separated. Jesus today remains true God and true man. Therefore, dear fellow witnesses, thank you for accepting the invitation to the wedding in Bethlehem stable and to behold the baby who is your Redeemer. Indeed, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now to him who is able to establish you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now has been made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all the nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for the obedience to the faith, to God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen.